Live from the bridge at the Launchpad Studios in Huntington, New York, it's Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Cardboard Memories, Clearview, Long Island, the law firm of Decalator, Cohen, and DePrisco, the Phoenix Tube Company, Pims Incorporated, fueling brand performance for 30 years, Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, and Soho Table Hockey. Here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who redefined the term power forward in the NHL. Over the course of his 13 seasons in the NHL with the Flyers, Rangers, Maple Leafs, and Stars, he scored 372 goals, 493 assists for 865 points. He is a six-time NHL All-Star, was recipient of both the Lester B. Pearson Award, which is the NHL Players Association Most Outstanding Player, and the Hart Trophy Most Valuable Player in 94-95. He made an immediate impact on the league with his offensive talent and imposing physical presence. His postseason career has been just as impressive as his celebrity hockey classic has raised over $1.5 million for charity. It is a thrill to welcome number 88 in your program, NHL Hall of Famer Eric Lindros to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Eric. Hey, thanks. Our pleasure. How are you doing? Doing good, you know, and staying healthy. That's the most important thing these days, for sure. Yeah. So it certainly is. We just got our kids back to school, and uh, things have calmed down here a little bit in Toronto. We've gone to a different level, so things have uh, a little bit of normalcy. So, yeah, if we can all just uh, buckle down for a little bit longer, hopefully we can get rid of this and, uh, and move on. Absolutely. So you are one of those rare generational athletes that are put under the microscope in their teenage years. You're being scouted heavily at, at such a young age as in 88-89 with the St. Michael's buzzers of the Metro Toronto Junior B Hockey League. At the age of 15, you scored 24 goals, 67 points in 37 games, leading the buzzers to the Sutherland Cup as provisional champions. You know, you're, you're scouted as a 15-year-old. Were you aware of how talented you were, and how did you deal with having to live up to those expectations going forward at such an early age? You know, I didn't think of it in any other sense. That it was, I was just having fun, and uh, I was playing with a really good group of guys. St. Mike's uh, was a terrific year for me. I had uh, great coaches, uh, Scott McClellan, Tony Cella. Um, you know, the, the, that whole... St. Mike's is a, is a wonderful school. And, uh, you know, we had some older guys that were looking out for some of the younger guys. Wes McCauley, was, uh, he's a referee in the, in the league right now, and uh, he was on that team as well. Um, he was one of the younger ones. He's a year older than me. Um, but we had a, a, a core of veterans that, that really looked out for everybody and, and uh, had a great team, had a lot of fun. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was exciting to go to practice. When, and when that happens and you're excited to, to, to go to the rink every day, um, good things. Good things occur. Yeah, the following year, you become eligible for the OHL draft as a 16-year-old. Your family asked the St. Sue Marie Greyhounds, who held the first election, not to choose you as they felt you weren't ready to live so far away from home. Greyhounds select you anyway. You spent early part of 89 yeah. with the Detroit CompuWare Ambassadors. Uh, the Sioux eventually trade your rights to the Oshawa Generals, where you record 36 points in 25 games upon joining the club. The Generals would go on to win the Memorial Cup that spring. But you look at the history of the Generals, a team that has sent close to 200 players to the NHL. Uh, you would go on to lead the OHL in scoring 149 points. You win the Eddie Powers Memorial Trophy. Uh, you add the Red Tilson Trophy as the league's most valuable player. What was your time like with the Generals, and what did it mean to your development as a hockey player? Well, Oshawa is a great, uh, great place to play. And, and no offense to, to any, other, uh, any other place, but... Uh, 
you know, when, when I was drafted by Sault Ste. Marie, you're 16 years old, and being away from home 12 hours, uh, 12-hour car ride is uh, it's a long way. And uh, the travel that Sault Ste. Marie was uh, was enduring was uh, was difficult. Uh, a lot of kids weren't uh, weren't getting their schooling in, and, and my parents are a big proponent of, of, of school. If, unless the schooling was going well, and you're you know you're getting your 80s, and, and uh, um, you, you know you, you were you were doing your job at school um if that wasn't happening you weren't uh, you weren't playing so you know anything can happen you can break a leg you can you know you're, you can wreck your wrist you, any injury can happen so you can be playing really really well and, and having a, a wonderful time but i uh, wouldn't put all your eggs in one basket and and uh, and make sure you, you had some uh, some schooling as a backup so that that was kind of the route that i took and and i was fortunate enough to land in oshawa it's not very far from a number of universities here in toronto so as soon as i was uh, was traded. I was back at the, I was in the university uh, uh, the uh, in, in the spring um, right after the Memorial Cup. So it, it all worked out really well. I had uh, great guys to play with. Um, Rick Cronaccia and, and Larry Marson were our, our, our lead coaches there. Um, yeah, I, we we just had uh, we just had some fun and a uh, terrific billet system. I lived with Baby Jean and Gil Hughes on Marigold Avenue in Oshawa. I'm still in touch with uh, with Baby Jean. We lost Gil uh, a few years ago, but uh, uh, still speak to her all the time. And, and when, you know, when you're, you're living with, in a situation where you're, you're coming home after road trips, and, and uh, you know, there's food in the fridge, and and uh, and Gil was a real hockey uh, real hockey guy. He uh, he scouted and he coached a lot of the guys uh, that that played for the team uh, that came up through the Oshawa uh, system. So. Uh, it was it was good to go home and and, uh, and and talk hockey with somebody that uh, that really knew what was going on and and uh, I benefited from it. I, I was certainly in a in a great position there. You know, you look at the history as we mentioned of the generals. Close to 200 players go to the NHL. Your number 88 is one of six general numbers to be retired. What does that honor mean to you? Oh, it's a tremendous honor. I mean, you think of all the the, the players that have gone through Oshawa and and. Uh, uh, it's a it's a fantastic honor. It's 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 it's, it's uh, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, it resonates and, and, and it stays with me. It's uh, it's it's fantastic. Oshawa is a special place. You know, the fans really get behind you. There's huge rivalries with teams that are close. To, you know, we have Peterborough that's very close. Uh, Belleville, Kingston. Um, there there are some really big rivalries that uh, that were there and, and uh, enjoyed it. You know, the fans got into it. The place was packed. Um, it was uh, it was an exciting place to play. It was uh, as close to the NHL as you could get. You're selected to join Team Canada at the 1992 Winter Olympic Games. You're the only player on that squad who had not played an NHL game yet. You end up being the second leading scorer on that team en route to a silver medal. What was the Olympic experience like for you at such an early age? It was a it was a real thrill. You know, I, I went out and, and uh, moved out to Calgary. Uh, I lived with Sean Burke and his family. Um, you know, there's a the Olympic program is, is, is much is, is different. Uh, you know, you got older guys, you got pro guys, you got some guys up there that are you know 28, 30 years old. Uh, when we got to the Olympics uh, just before, we, we we brought in a couple of, uh, of NHL players that were uh, uh, you know kind of in and out of the in and out of the roster spots. Um, they were looking for places to play and, and, and bumped up our team that way. It was uh, it was a lot of practice. You'd go, uh, you might you might get to Calgary and practice two weeks in a row without without uh, playing a game, and then all of a sudden you play uh, you know five games in six nights, uh, on, uh, you know overseas, and, and then pop back home. So it was uh, it was a different experience. It was a lot of fun. You got to see the world, um, but a, a terrific uh, terrific group of guys to uh, to be around. 
So we all know the backstory with Quebec taking you first overall in the 91 draft. One year later at the 92 NHL entry draft, the Nordiques worked out trades involving you with both the Flyers and the Rangers. The Flyers, believing they had the deal first, uh, filed a complaint. NHL announced an independent arbiter who would be appointed. But take us through what those next 11 days until the decision came down were like for you. And I can only imagine if this happened today, what the refresh rate with Lindros Rangers, Lindros Flyers would have been for those 11 days. You know, I was in the dark. This is, uh, I was waiting. I had no idea. I obviously wasn't there. I didn't know what trade, what deals were made. I wasn't in the room. I didn't know who went first or what have you. So I, Honestly, I waited for, I think uh, the arbitrator's name was uh, Bertuzzi, and I waited uh, in front of the TV. I think there was an announcement around 11 o'clock one morning, and uh, once the announcement was made, I went down to, to St. Mike's, and we did a little press conference, and, and that was it. We, uh, I, I mean, there wasn't anything. Uh, I, I was sitting on the sidelines waiting, uh, waiting to see where I was going to go. I had uh, no insight into, um, into what team it would, uh, it would be. Looking back at your career, knowing that you also eventually played for the Rangers, but have you ever thought what your career might have looked like had it been flipped? Had you started with the Rangers and then later on gone yeah. to the Flyers? You know what? I, I, I did. It, uh, and I think we would have had a really good team. No, they went on to win in 94 and had, uh, you know, they loaded up in 94 and really, uh, really went for it. Um, you know, you, you certainly you, you think of uh, you, you think of those scenarios and who was uh, who was involved in the trade and, and so on. But uh, no, listen, I got the Philly uh, three two and a half years. I, I think we had uh, you know we were we were a top team in the in the East. Um, we were we were right there to uh, to go and represent in the uh, in the Stanley Cup final. So um, you know, it didn't take long for uh, to, to turn things around. Bob Clark, to his credit, made a made a huge trade in acquiring uh, Johnny Leclerc and Eric Desjardins. Were the the two big names coming out of Montreal, uh, uh, Jobert Dion was uh, was also part of it. Um, for for uh, you know we had to give up a big piece in Mark Recchi, but uh, um, it just uh, it was a it was a huge trade for us, and it, all the pieces that we got on our end uh, seemed to work. It absolutely seemed to work because you know Leclerc becomes part of the Legion of Doom line with Mikel Renberg. Um, what were the elements of that line that complemented each other so well to make it one of the, the greatest lines in hockey? You know, we all could skate. We all we all could. Uh, being able to skate is a huge advantage, right? I mean, you can get to places. Um, and the way that the game had uh, changed, it, it, there was so much hooking, holding. Uh, there was uh, you know pulling and, and, and grabbing, uh, and it was just uh, it was just the way it was uh, at that time. So. To have uh, to have power, to have uh, size, to have weight, and then to combine that with uh, with you know Johnny had a, a, his, his scoring touch was uh, was fantastic. I don't think there was uh, too many guys that uh, had a touch like him. Um, Michael Renberg could certainly see the ice, pass the puck real well, and he you know he he scored lots of goals uh, to, to his credit as well. So um, you know when it really got down to it, I think it goes back to just going to the rink, and I said it before, is, is having fun. We 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 go to practice, we were enjoying. Uh, practice. Uh, we were doing things at high tempo. Um, we were doing and, and trying new things. We had some set plays. We had uh, lots of little things that we uh, that we had worked on, and uh, we try them out during the games. And uh, one thing led to another, and it just started to click and click and click, and, and uh, we got some momentum going. 
You mentioned that run to the finals in 97. You guys handily defeat the Penguins, Sabres, and Rangers in five games apiece. Over the years, we've gotten the opportunity to speak to many players that have made it to a Stanley Cup final, and they all have mentioned that they learned something about themselves as a player during that run. What did you learn about yourself as a player during that Stanley Cup run? Well, you know, everything was going fairly well for us uh, in the first three. I I learned more in the the, the final. We didn't play... uh, you know, we 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 started this uh, the season, uh, series uh, against Detroit at home, and uh, and they were two close games. They were, they could have gone either way, um, and then we were just not prepared for for Game Three in Detroit and got and got absolutely blown out. Um, I, I look back at that and think, you know, we gotta there's got to be a better way to, to to go about it to to, to dig in further to. Uh, um, you know, obviously things weren't working. We got to make some adjustments, and and uh, um, you know, I look back at that as, as, as probably that that pivotal game where you, you you know, for the rest of my life, I'll I'll, I'll forever be uh, a bit disappointed in myself not being uh, able to uh, uh, to have played better. You know, the injuries start taking a toll on your career. You suffer a series of concussions, the first in 1998. Given the new protocols put in place in the NHL when it comes to head injuries and what we know now, what do you think your career would look like had those protocols and the information been available back in the day when you played? Well, yeah, I mean, it's gotten better. Is it is it perfect? I, I don't know. But uh, um, I, I don't think we were aware of things. I, I don't think that uh, I think that there was information out there for a long time and it just was uh just was pushed aside and 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 not taken seriously so that being said with what we know now in you know and granted it's not perfect would if your your kids came to you and said i want to be an nhl player uh what would you say to them i think hockey i think you know I'm, i'm all for it absolutely i'm all for it am i for it for football no i don't i don't think football is i i I would be very hesitant to allow my kids to play football, but, uh, but hockey, uh, I think that, uh, I, I think they'd be relatively safe at hockey. There's a risk, right? You got big guys cruising at top speed, making, uh, you know, making plays, uh, in, in the blink of an eye, uh, there's contact and it's inevitable that, uh, there's going to be a concussion from time to time. Um, it's how we deal with it and how quickly we can get people back, uh, to feeling the feeling right, to feeling on, um, you know, they, 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 it started to take a lot more seriously and, and guys were getting, uh, it was never heard of before to, you know, to take two weeks off, right? It was never, it, uh, you know, now it's pretty standard practice. If, if someone's knocked right out, uh, uh, or, 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 you know, to, to get to that certain uh, level of concussion, uh, two weeks is nothing, you know, it's, uh, maybe months, you know, and, and no one blinks an eye now back then it was just never, you know, Geez, 10 days was it was never heard of, right? It, you know, it was uh, concussion's tricky because it's one of those things. It's not like a broken leg where you, you know, you look on an X-ray and it's black and white. Concussion is something that, uh, um, you know, it's within you. You may look physically fine, um, but you're not on. And when you're not on, and you're and you're slow to react, and you're slow to think, and you're slow to, uh, uh, to put yourself in positions that you're going to be saved, uh, you're you're much more vulnerable. So. Having that, that that fast twitch and, and being able to to think quickly and to prepare for things and to read read and react the way that you used to and to get back to that level is, is so important to uh, to maintaining uh, uh, your safety, not just performance wise, but uh, you, you know safety. 
You know, as scary as the concussions were, there was another injury during April 1st, 99 against the Predators. You suffered what was initially diagnosed as a rib injury, but it was much more than that. In fact, had it not been for Keith Jones, you and I might not even be doing this interview right now. Can you share with our audience what happened and what effect Keith had, you know, on, you know, getting it taken care of? Well, we had some issues in, uh, in, 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 uh, after a game with the Predators, um, I, I, you know, I, I had, uh, had some real rib pain. And uh, I finished the game, um, didn't feel great, you know, addressed things with the training staff and whatnot, but uh, went back to the hotel and, and uh, I was going to go out with the guys and grab a burger and I couldn't even sit through it. I just went right back to the to the hotel after about three minutes and, and, and told the guys I'd catch up with them later. And... Uh, uh, honestly, I just, I, all I remember is just laying in the tub. Um, it started to, it was just real painful. It was real painful. Jonesy found me and, uh, and, uh, tried to contact the trainer and then, uh, uh, that, that failed and, and, uh, called our head coach, Roger Nielsen, who, uh, came up and, uh, came into our room and then called the, called the ambulance. So, um, no, thankful for Jonesy to, to, uh, you know, <laughs> help me out. Um, but, uh, no, went in and, uh, right to the hospital and, and, uh, you know, they, they, they go through your ribs and release the pressure and, and, uh, the blood starts to, you know, you lose about, I lost about 55, 60% of the, the blood that I had in my body it was over, over four liters or 4.2 liters. So, um, you know, it took a while to get things back and, uh, and, and functioning and, and, uh, I was real great. I was down in Nashville for about three weeks, and then another week uh, back in Philly. Um, uh, you know, cleaning things up, um, making sure that uh, my lung was. Uh, you know, I, I think it's. I think it ended up being about ninety-five percent uh, to what it was. So I got very lucky with that, and, and lucky that I was not on a plane uh, uh, heading back to Philly for uh, for a checkup and and, and uh, being up in the pressure, and, and I was at the hospital. Uh, uh, being treated uh, in Nashville, so that was uh, that was that was lucky. So it took ten years, but Ranger fans finally got their wish. August twentieth, two thousand one, exchange for Jan Halavik, Kim Janssen, uh, Pavel Brendel, and a two thousand three third round draft pick. You get to play for the New York Rangers, a team at that point that also had Theo Fleury, Pavel Burry, Peter Nedved, Mark Messi, and Brian Leach. You don't disappoint. You average a little over a point a game, 37 goals, 36 assists with 73 points. That year is also your seventh and final All-Star selection. The following year, the Rangers also add Yaramir Yager to the team as well. What was your fondest memory yeah. of playing for the New York Rangers? You know, it's, the Rangers is it's a special. Madison Square is a special place. It really is. It's, uh, you know, you're on the fifth floor of a building. Uh, it's probably the most recognized uh entertainment place in the world um there's something extremely special about being there um i, I don't have anything but uh, great things to say about the, the the ranger organization as a whole um i i didn't i didn't play very well in my second and third year there uh not at all i was disappointed in myself in, in, in that um but uh in, in terms of highlights with that i think the rangers have uh the Rangers are lucky with their with their devoted fans. They have there's a real fan base there in New York that uh, is excited to watch hockey and is knowledgeable and and uh, uh, enjoys going down to the garden to watch uh, to watch the games. It's, uh, it's a special group. 2016, you're selected to the NHL Hall of Fame on January 18, 2018. The Flyers retire retire your 88 jersey in a pregame ceremony at the Wells Fargo Center. What do those two honors mean to you? 
They're big. And, you know, I, I look back at the at, at both of them and, and, and think about how lucky I, I've been to have the support um, from from so many different areas. You think of, you know, obviously your parents that have driven you all over the place, uh, supported you, uh, looked out for your best interests, your, your, uh, looked out for your health, um, um, been just been rocks for you. Uh, you look at uh, coaches you've had, uh, some you've played for that uh, were at a professional level. You look at some that that volunteered their time, um, and and were uh, you know you, you end up being the, the beneficiary of of, of, the, of their knowledge and and, and, uh, and being around them. Um, guys like John Fuda come to mind. Uh, you know, it's, there's so many so many people. Some teachers that. You know, they'd look out for me when I had a lot of travel and, and uh, would be away from class and packaging up things so that I could keep my marks up. Um, now, Kathy Love and, and, and Peter Thatcher were the teachers that really helped me through uh, through a lot of that. And, uh, you know, it's just, you're just thankful. You really are. You get to play with a lot of great players. I'm happy that I had a chance to play with Johnny and Rennie and, and, and many others. Um, you're just... Uh, you just say thank you. You know, it's one of those, you, you say thank you. You've played in front of some great fans, um, people that have uh, just get all wound up for playoff time and and, uh, and enjoy the game and enjoy uh, enjoy watching and, and uh, make you feel like you can uh, you can accomplish things. So um, I think those both those occasions are, are just moments of time where you just sit back and say thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's as clean as that. It's hard to believe. It seems like it was just yesterday when you were coming into the league and, and all the hype. And I'll, I'll never forget this. There, there was the score hockey card of you taking batting practice. What was that experience like? And what type of baseball oh. player? And what, what what type of baseball player were you? Well, I I loved I loved baseball. So uh, I played third base. I enjoyed uh, enjoyed playing third base. I played for a high school team. Uh, uh, after the uh, after we won the Memorial Cup in Oshawa, uh, there is uh, uh, where there's some baseball to be played, and, and we had a real good team. Um, we had uh, long story short, you know, Paul Beeston uh, and Pat Gillick were running the Blue Jays, and Paul Beeston was a London, Ontario boy uh, guy, and, and uh, you know we're from there. Um, my dad was transferred out of uh, London when I was about ten, so. Uh, for one reason or another, I don't know. Some got hooked up, and I got was I, I got a chance to go down to uh, to Florida and to uh, to go to, uh, to to play with the, the kind of the preseason preseason team um, and, uh, and and learn a lot. Get in the cage, get in the cage, face some uh, some pitchers, and and uh, be part of uh, some teaching. Um, you know where to hit the ball with with runners in different positions. Things that I, you know, you, you just. Coaching is just a way different level at that uh, at that place, and uh, uh, something I was uh, I was really uh, fortunate to be uh, to be part of it, if just for like four or five days. It was uh, it certainly was a lot of fun. Yeah, it kind of puts uh, Tom Glavin's talent in a little perspective, as he was also he was a, a draft pick in both the NHL and baseball. So uh, pretty interesting uh, stuff you know, there. It's amazing, right? You no, know, it's, yeah. it's amazing, and and you know the the, the pace of baseball is, is so much different. I I, I remember. You know, we're down in, in Florida and in Dunedin, and it's it's hot. It is hot down there, 
And, you know, you're going in at lunchtime into the clubhouse and guys are eating warm soup. And I just couldn't believe it. You know, it's just like the culture, the cultures are, uh, are, are completely different. There's a big mix and uh, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of humor in there. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of dry humor in baseball. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of time for, 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 for chit chat. You know, the ball's hit. There might be uh, some action for at, 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 at most 15 seconds. And uh, you know, and you're on to the next play. So there's uh, there's lots of time to uh, you know to uh, to do your little uh, you know how you doing and, and, and a few jokes here and there. It was fun. I, I had a blast. I, I learned a lot. Learned a lot. Lastly, we mentioned your charitable work, which has been just as impressive as your playing career. On the day of your retirement, you do- donated five million dollars to the London Health Science Center. This donation supports programs such as the Fowler Kennedy uh, Sports Medicine Clinic. You've also raised over one point five million dollars to your Eric Lindros Celebrity Classic. How can people get involved or donate to your charity hat trick? Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. You can just uh, you can go online and uh, Eric Lindros Celebrity Classic, and uh, and help out in, in that fashion. That that would be terrific. We actually have a lot of people that come up for it from the states. We have people. Uh, uh, there's some police officers out of Philadelphia. There's a couple guys out of uh, two firemen out of New York. Uh, last uh, or not this year because this year didn't happen with COVID, but the year prior, we had a, a group uh, a group out of San Jose that came up for it. Um, yeah, you guys want to come and it's, it's, it's a great time. We've got, uh, you know, we probably have about 18, 20 teams and we bring in, uh, 18, 20 former players and we have a draft night the night before. And then, uh, uh kind of a get together. And, and then the next day you, uh, you go and you play and we rig the teams, uh, according to, uh, uh, to talent level. So we get the young guys against the young guys and the, you know, the older guys against the older guys. So it's, we try and avoid any of the, any of the blow ups. It's, uh, it's about having fun and, and raising a lot of money and, and getting that money to Easter Seals, which uh, uh, really is a, a terrific organization that supports kids that uh, um, are in are, a lot of them are in wheelchairs and just don't have the uh, mobility. They need help getting around their homes. They need help uh, uh, renovating bathrooms. They need uh, uh, you know, the camp that they they go to for uh, for self confidence, for uh, to make friends, to to go and to learn to to do uh, woodworking skills, cooking. Uh, uh, some athletics. Uh, it's just a fantastic organization, and uh, Easton Fields has been around for a long, long time, and, and I can uh, honestly say that it's, uh, it's an honor to uh, to go and help them. Well, this will now be my go-to. I've gone to uh, Smash Fest up in Toronto, and, you know, oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. lo- love Dominic. that. Dominic yeah. Ward. Yeah, so I've been up there for Dominic's charity, but you know what? I'd love to get the skates on again and, and get out there, so I might have to be up there for for the next one for sure. Well, you let us know, and uh, we'll, we'll for sure make space. Absolutely. All right, Eric, thanks so much t- for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for 11 days of hope in 92, three years of giving it your all for the Rangers. I'd like to thank you for the 10 years of great hockey as well, minus those games where you tormented the Rangers, though. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I appreciate the time. You got it, NHL Hall of Famer Eric Lindros. We'll be back with Russ Cohn and more hockey right after this.